0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family parenting podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parenting podcast. Oh, that honeymoon phase. It can be such a sweet time until everything comes to a screeching halt. I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta, who runs our parenting department here at Focus on the Family. And Danny, it's not the same in every relationship or every family, but sometimes We kind of choose to ignore the little things that bother us about our spouse or a family member until those things just kind of become elephants in the room, and we're not talking about Dumbo or other kinds of elephants, are we? I mean, those things are just glaring. They're huge.
1: And there's some days when we're more patient with those things than others. I mean, there's some days where we haven't gotten enough sleep, or other things are happening or bringing stress from work, or... Or from other places we've been, or even the, the the marriage relationship, and it spills into our ability to have patience with our kids. I picture patience as a continuum, and sometimes we wake up with with uh, a nine that we're going to be super patient, and then we have a one. We're already we're already drained to start the day, and so we're going to be less patient. And uh, I don't know if it's honeymoon. Each day probably has its own little honeymoon period where we feel a little bit more self controlled than others. Uh, but I know this one real thing. It's called misophonia which is the annoyance of loud chewing and noises that pe- other people make. And sometimes we can tolerate those. I know in dating we do that, right? And then after a while— my go, wife hey. did in dating because she's mentioned, do you know how loud you are? And it's like, well,
0: some food is just noisy. It's not—I'm trying to be
1: noisy. Yeah, but... that's, that's right. But so,
0: that—you're right. Yeah. There are some small things that we overlook. And I don't know why I can—25, I, you know, 30 times a kid can do something and then boom. I'm all over him for it. There, I, I don't know why that is. I guess I'm human. Let's listen now to a conversation Jim Daly and I had with Dr. Mike Bechtel. He was actually talking about the honeymoon phase and what happens when that's over and how to have healthy communication in the marriage. But we'll turn the corner and ask you to apply this communication breakdown to your kids as well. From your observation as a counselor, as a speaker, and all the good
2: things that you do, how do relationships uh, begin to break down and move from that honeymoon phase. And that, that just doesn't apply to marriage. It could be anything. Yeah. It's where everything's good, no matter what the person says. Oh, that's really insightful. But like six months later, you're going, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, what are what are those phases and why does that communication break down? And what can we do to do a better job keeping that communication open?
3: I think all of us are drawn together by our similarities, we're attracted to somebody else when we see common ground. There's something that pulls us together. And so in that honeymoon phase, we feel like they can do no wrong. And this is the person I've been looking for. Everything's perfect. And then after the honeymoon or after the wedding, there's little things that come up. And it's like, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't. It must be a fluke because that's not the person they are. And then it happens more and more, but we're not saying anything. And we start relaxing. And we start settling into our normal modes, and then you have kids, and you get tired, and it's hard to maintain that. So it really comes back to being intentional right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I call it elephant prevention. Like <laughs> from the very get go, looking for any little thing. And it, typically, when something goes wrong, and the other person's not responding the way we want, we think they're doing something wrong. But it's bigger than just the other person, who's right, who's wrong. It's like we're bigger than this problem. It's something that we need to address and look at together.
2: Mike, I want to make sure that we're all hearing you clearly, because when you uh, talk about changing the other person, so often, rightfully, we hear, you know, God wants you to concentrate on you, and you can only control you emotionally, etc., especially in marriage. Right. But you're talking about the power of influence, I think, and how you can influence a person close to you in a positive way. Describe that balance for me and make sure that we understand you clearly because you can't control another person, and that shouldn't even be your desire. I mean, the Lord doesn't even control us. Yeah. I mean, he wants us to behave in a way that comes out of our love for him. But it's not control. It's out of love. So how do we look at that in a marital situation particularly where the little elephants are now big elephants and it's eroding our relationship? How do we um, do what we need to do for ourselves with reasonable, not big, expectation on our spouses?
3: I think it's fair because it's so hard to change ourselves. (laughs) We We think we can change somebody else, but to change our own habits, the things we've done for so long, we know how we struggle with that. And so to think we can change somebody else by telling them what they should do differently, it's going to be pretty frustrating. But if we realize from the beginning that we're committed to the relationship. To each other. To each other. And that we're, I think, an important thing for a, I'll take a husband, for instance. An important thing for a husband to say during conflict is sometimes he can't think as quickly because he doesn't have the connective tissue in his brain that a woman does. And he gets frustrated and he might just leave and that's just terrifying for a woman but i think to be able to say something like you know what i need a little space i need to think through this because i don't want to say something that's wrong because i care so much about you so i'm going to go away for 30 minutes but i will be back wow, that i'm can not be hard going in anywhere well yeah but i think it's if we have that as our mindset that in this relationship it's going to be tough we're going to do some stuff but we're i'm not leaving you're stuck with me and I'm going to stay committed to this. We know we're going to work on it. So no matter how tough it gets and what kind of an elephant stampede we may be having, <laughs> we still are committed to that relationship. You know
2: what I like about that, too, Mike, is what you're saying is my, my faith in Christ is also foundational. So I'm, I'm in this relationship, in my marriage particularly, forever. I mean, I'm not bailing out. And therefore, because of that commitment to God, yeah, I'm here. And I'm here for you. And how do we move forward? I like that context, too.
3: Well, there's so much safety in that. Because if I feel safe in a relationship, it gives me the freedom to be able to actually talk about the tough stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, we've talked about safety in the home before and having emotional safety. And Mike Bechtel really uh, talks about that as well here with proper communication, even in an argument. Um, it's those little things like saying I'm going to get a little space so I have some time to get my thoughts together. Now, Danny, you found that that concept of you know getting some space works well for kids. Uh, how do you communicate? I'm not really running away from the fight, and I'm not going to ignore this when I come back. What what are some guidelines there?
1: Sometimes just pausing and saying that hey, I just I need some time to think about my thinking. Because right now it's really in the wrong place. Hmm. Uh, and and some, something I use with my own family, and I use this in counseling as well, is I, my, my brain has just jumped out and I need to go find it for a moment. You know? So give me <laughs> some, give me some space. It's running around. I need to find it. I'm a little scared of that. Really, families need to understand what buttons are being pushed. And an exercise, a real simple exercise that can be used is grabbing sticky notes, writing what buttons tend to be pushed in you, and put them all over you, and talk about those as a family here are my buttons that sometimes are pushed and it really eats away at patience. I mean, that's the realization that we get a certain amount of patience each day. Hmm. And the longer we go throughout the day, the less patience we have, unless we get a nap or some other things, right? And that is really a good insight for everyone in the family to understand. What are these these buttons that are being pushed and how does each person own those? Just because they're buttons for you doesn't mean that everyone has to tiptoe around you you have to realize why do, why do I have these buttons? What is it like to be with me with these buttons? Hmm. And then also, I wanna learn what your buttons are to respect you. At the same time, we, we're different and we may push each other's buttons accidentally. Yeah, Let, let's take
0: this to the mom, with, the mom or dad with like a four-year-old. Because these are bigger concepts. I mean, I'm, I'm filtering this through the lens of a, a teenager. Yeah, you can have right. those conversations. But how do you help a, a three- or a four-year-old who doesn't have all that language, who, who still is having difficulty with conflict and, and with good communication?
1: Well, that's where the timeouts come in, uh, really giving them the concept of what a timeout is for. Oh, so it's not a punishment? No. No, it's a a time to to regroup. Oh, see, now that's where were you when I was raising my kids? Because timeouts were like, you need to get away because I'm getting upset. (laughs) Do you want a timeout? Yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah, totally. It's a safe place. Self-control is about helping people be safe around you. And so the timeout is just that. Maybe you are misbehaving, or maybe you're just needing a break from all the noise and everything that's going on. As parents, we have to model the use of timeout as well. Sometimes we need a timeout, and we need to verbalize that. Okay,
0: but, but how do I communicate that? I mean, I, I,
1: To a four-year-old? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, mom or dad needs some, need some time, here's something you can do. And you can give them a toy that maybe comes out during your timeout time. Okay. You can pull it out from the top of the refrigerator or so one of those favorite yeah. toys that only come out so that it's a positive experience for the child saying, I need a timeout right now as I regroup." Okay,
0: so flip it around. The kid is the one who needs the timeout. How do we do that?
1: Yeah, you say, hey, let's, let's go to our, our spot. Maybe there's a book. Maybe there's other tools that they can have. It. You can call it the toolbox. And you can pull things out in that space, and when they use that, they can use whatever's in that toolbox. It can be a squeeze ball, it can be Play-Doh, something that they go to in order to regulate themselves.
0: That's really key, and I appreciate how you've turned that. I mean, seriously, timeouts were punishment tools for a lot of us as parents when our kids were younger. Um, I like how you're turning that into an opportunity to explain to the child, here's the deal. You need some time to think this through because you're not, you're not happy. And mm-hmm. I, I, I want you to be able to understand why you're not happy and think through so you don't get all angry at mommy.
1: And sometimes they're just overwhelmed. Yeah. A, a kid is overwhelmed. You, you want to take them over there to know that that's a safe place to, to regulate, to calm down in order to think right. And you can even go on a search for their brain. Just say, hey, let's go look for your brain for a little while. Mm -hmm. And you can bring out a flashlight and binoculars and start to look around. They'll just follow you, not knowing what you're doing. But over time, they'll connect that. I got this emotion. Now we went to look for my brain. We got distracted. We came back and and, and we talked about the the big emotions that we brought to smaller emotions and started to regulate and have relationship. Over time, they'll understand it, just be consistent with it.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, there are so many different challenges that families face. Uh, I don't know what you're struggling with right now, what the elephants in your rooms are, but focus on the family can help. Uh, We have a lot of great tools on our website. Uh, We also have counselors here who would be happy to talk with you if you're really up against a difficult challenge. Uh, This ministry has reached out for over 40 years and helped families thrive. We would ask you to consider, if you're in a good spot, to make a generous donation. Uh, Make a monthly pledge or a one-time gift of any amount today, and we'll send a copy of Dr. Mike Bechtel's book, Dealing with the Elephant in the Room. It's a great book, and it'll really help. Um, And your donation will really help us enlarge the outreach of Focus on the Family. You'll find the web link and the phone numbers in the show notes. Next time, more from our guest on avoiding the elephant stampede. And for now, on behalf of Danny and the team, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.